0: Hello and welcome to this post trade deadline edition of the Powder Blue Podcast. The Phillies made a few moves, way more than a few, consider those going as well as those coming. Frank Close here with Jeff Mosher, and Jeff, we had a we had to pop on. Too much happened today.
1: It was a wild day, not only for the Phillies, Frank, but obviously it was a wild MLB deadline with Juan Soto himself going to San Diego and Hosmer. And everything that went involved with it, they went – clearly they went for the jugular. But uh, some really interesting moves by the Phillies. And uh, I, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm sort of pleasant – I don't want to say pleasantly surprised. I thought they would do something. I'm excited. I feel like the last few trade deadlines, we can go through some of the ugliness of them, um, have not really worked out in the Phillies' favor. But it's hard not to feel a little bit better about how Dabrowski's trade deadline is going to go here.
0: <laughs> you, you mentioned those those former trade lines. Well, uh, our buddy Zach Edwards on uh, Twitter he kind of took us back to a few years ago when he he said, "All right, I'm going to read his tweet for you." He says, "This was the trade deadline the Phil's were supposed to have in 2018 when they were 59 and 48 and in first place, mm-hmm. and the best they could do was Wilson Ramos as Drupal Cabrera and Aaron Loop." <laughs> so so this is a change of pace, Jeff. It is, and and, and in fairness, you know, Ramos was a
1: good catcher, good offensive catcher, and as people, Cabrera's been a guy who's helped a lot of teams, and it felt like that wasn't – so I remember that trade down. It it felt like it was a solid but not spectacular trade deadline for the Phillies then, and it wound up being not spectacular at all. And then the one that felt terrible and wound up being terrible – was from two years ago when they traded for Brandon Workman and Heath Hembry. Mm-hmm. And that really – it's like those two guys were like, oh, this is a really bad bullpen. Why don't we join them? <laughs> and they were pretty <laughs> bad. Uh, but this one, I feel like it's solid, not spectacular, but I don't think any of the acquisitions is going to really be a letdown. Unless David Robinson for Robertson, for whatever reason, cannot keep it up as far as how well he's been pitching this year. I think that's pretty consistent, though. He's been a good pitcher. He's come back well from the injury, just not for the Phillies, but now he will get that opportunity.
0: So let's recap the moves, okay? Because I don't want to take for granted that everybody knows everything at this point. So Good call. The way, the way this played out, so the first move today was the trade for a center fielder. And by the way, these the, the first two were not far apart. They seemed to happen in succession by Jeff Passon breaking both. But Phillies make a very interesting trade. This was one that at first I, I wasn't sure of, and then the more I think about it, the more I like it. So the Phillies trade catcher, Logan Ohapi, who I thought mm-hmm. would have been the centerpiece for a starter like Cindergaard, and they trade him straight up for Brandon Marsh to come and play center field. Now, what I want to say about Brandon Marsh is, just a couple years ago, he was a top 100 prospect, higher ever than Logan O'Happy was on the MLB top 100 prospects list and other prospect mm-hmm. lists. He was up there. He was by far the Angels' top prospect, had a cup of coffee last year, had a little bit more playing time this year, but by all means is still developing. And so basically the Phillies essentially traded the normal six years or maybe some change of Logan O'Happy For what's going to be the rest of this year and then five more seasons from their potential long-term answer in center field. So for this first one, Jeff, Mm -hmm. I think this is a move in which they are still hoping to develop him along into what the talent evaluators all thought he he was going to be. So uh, we'll just start with that. We'll, We'll break them down one at a time. Sure. This trade, what do you think about the trade for Brandon Don't call me Tom Marsh. Remember Tom Marsh? (laughs) (laughs) Maybe back anyway.
1: Uh, I was going to say don't call me Randy Marsh, but I'm going way (laughs) back as well. Um, What do I think of the trade? So, I think in my mind I see it as they got better in an area they where they needed to get better, and that was outfield defense, specifically center field defense. Brandon Marsh is a plus. Defensive player. He will give you better defense than you would get from Matt Beerling, from Odu Barrera, or anybody else that you were sticking in that spot. He is not a great bat, even though he was, as you mentioned, one of their top prospects. I believe if you go up and down his minor league stats, you, you will not be overly impressed by how he hit in the minors. In some regards, he's had some pretty good streaks in the majors where you've seen what he sh- what, what the Angels probably thought of at one point when they put him, well, you know, when they drafted him, and when he was one of their top prospects. So, but again, but on the same side there, Frank, he's no worse of a hitter than what you're going to get from Matt Vierling, Odubel Herrera. In fact, he's got a little some pretty good speed. I know he's got about seven or eight stolen bases, I think. Um, but his numbers aren't offensively will not wow you. But you weren't getting wowed there anyway. So to me, it's net neutral offensively but way better defensively. And, of course, by getting a guy, this is very Dombrowski-like, to have years of control, we obviously knew there was going to be something happen with Mickey Moniak, which led to yet another different trade that you'll talk about.
0: Right. So just looking at his major league career. All right. So at this point, he's got 163 games under his belt. So he's basically at a season in the major leagues. 239 batting average. 299 on-base percentage, right? You, so you say that that's not great. 10 home runs, 56 mm-hmm. runs driven in. If you're going to be a nine-hole hitter on this Phillies team and play center field, I mean that's about what you'd want from him, right? I mean, so sure. So, but it sounds like a very interesting thing Dave Dombrowski said in his his little uh, Zoom meeting with with reporters. He, he said that this was somebody they had an eye on for a while, dating back to the off season. So. It sounds like they think they think they have a fix for his swing. Oh. Okay. I you know, think they see something that they can really make him into something. So I think this story uh, is going to be written more as time goes on. Again, the numbers kind of not bad for a nine-hole hitter uh playing that kind of defense, but I think there I think there's there's more coming here. That that this can develop into so, something. I think that's what they're going for.
1: So they're they're kind of borrowing from the page of Jason Worth here, is that what you're getting at? Like they, <laughs> yes, they're hoping Lots. to find that kind of lightning in a bottle again from somebody. Now Jason else's. Worth
0: never looked like Brandon Marsh when he was a Philly, right? Didn't all the long hair and long beard come after the Phillies? I, I, I don't even it was remember. last enough.
1: year in Philly, it started to to grow, and yeah. then it really came, yeah, later.
0: <laughs> with the with the Nationals, but but there's
1: some similarity in approach here, right? Where you're taking another team's once top prospect and for whatever reason, whether it's environmental, change of scenery, something that you see and I'm going to fix. But they – and I'm not saying they expect this guy to be a 35 home run hitter. I, I don't know. But they, based on those comments, it sounds like they feel they can unlock something within him.
0: Yeah, it'll be interesting to see here. Cause, and I also want to 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 throw this out there. You know, I I certainly have not been scouting Logan Ohapi, but all the other teams in baseball <laughs> probably were. Mm-hmm. and th- i i say that because he was the obvious tradable commodity of the phillies because they have a top tier catcher under contract for a few more years after this one so mm-hmm. i think i think if other teams were maybe not as impressed with ohapi or maybe even the phillies themselves maybe maybe they feel like that they're they're seeing his peak in the minor leagues and and maybe i don't know maybe they 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 kind of know what his ceiling is well maybe there's still some uh, room for for Marsh to have a little bit more of a ceiling. So I, so I don't know. I can't speak I can't speak to it because I have not been watching Ohapi, um, other than what I've seen him do in the Arizona Fall League a little bit, right? I mean that was all impressive, but uh, he did open a lot of eyes. Uh, did make his way onto the the very end of that top 100 prospect list. But uh, but we'll see. This is one that's going to have to play itself out over a number of years to figure out really who quote unquote won the trade. All right, on to trade two. Almost immediately after, immediately afterwards, we heard of the second trade, which is something I alluded to the other day, uh, a a possible target of the Phillies. Uh, David Robertson is returning to the Phillies. Uh, The guy that signed a two-year deal for big money uh, back before 2019, Mm -hmm. finally will get to throw a pitch for the Phillies. Well, he did throw a few pitches, but. He's going to actually get a chance to be in this bullpen. But it's pretty interesting that he, that when he was signed to be the uh, the Phillies' uh, back end of the bullpen, Sir Anthony Dominguez kind of was the closer. And right. so the idea was that the two of them would be at the back end of the bullpen together. Both of them undergo major surgery. Both of them are disappearing from Major League Baseball for a couple of years. And what do you know? They're reunited.
1: What do you know? And then it's – uh. Hopefully this time it works out better for both of them, <laughs> that neither of them get hurt. Um, I'm excited by this move because David, you've see, you have seen this, Frank, pitchers who have the um, the surgery that he went come back stronger even at older ages, and it looks like he has come back with some real life on his stuff. I haven't seen a ton of David Robinson this year with the with the um, with the Cubs, but I've seen some highlights, and it looks like he's throwing well, and his numbers. Not only the the not only like the ERA and the strikeouts, but even the hard hit rate. He's one of the better relievers at. Um, so I think why I'm excited is that this is the type of move that I don't know that it helps get you to the playoffs as much because I think that the other two are bigger for that. But this move is now that you're in the playoffs, you have a you have a seven eight nine. Now you're at basically saying. Can you just give me five, to six out of my starters, which should be very easy to do on a four-man rotation, especially from Wheeler, Nola, and you know Suarez and whoever going to be, or whoever the three or four are going to be. And obviously Syndergaard, we'll talk about in a second. But now, if you get five or six from these guys, you got Hand, you got Robertson, you got Sir Anthony, and if one of those guys slips, you know you still. Alvarado has been pitching much better. Um and let's see, there's a, probably a name that I mean Belotti has been decent uh at, at times and you know, we'll see what happens with Knievel as this finishes out. Well, but well, let me you... you have you have a you have a formula here that I think is really good.
0: So here's the rundown of the bullpen now. So this is the eight man bullpen. Dominguez, hand, Robertson, Knievel, Alvarado, Belotti, rogdon Nelson. Period. Yep. I mean so I, I suppose the the weak link would be Nelson who's kind of your long guy and he's been pretty decent. Now yeah, he gave up a couple of runs uh, in the um, Tuesday night game, but yeah, but he's been decent, but a lot he's been very good, above expectations. So you feel a lot better about this bullpen and for a lot of fans it was it was in addition to the um acquisition of Robertson, it's also the subtraction of Yuri's Familia. Something that Phillies fans have wanted. Now, Zach Wheeler was kind of sad to see him go. He called him a really good teammate. I know Ruben Morrow Jr., who coached with the Mets when he was on the team, also thought he was a good teammate. But uh, he just wasn't getting it done.
1: He was not getting it done. It was the absolute correct thing to do, DFA him. Um, I believe also Odubel Herrera leaves now that that Brandon Marsh comes. Right, right. I
0: didn't even get into that. Yeah. Yeah, So that also got... Uh, got that. <laughs> so the, the, perhaps the two least liked Phillies yes. are yeah, gone.
1: It, it feels to me like such a necessary like uh, like you couldn't progress to where you want to be unless you got rid of this person. You know, I don't. It felt that way. Same thing with as a pitching staff when they were finally done with Vince Velasquez. Right now, of course, you were able to get Ranger to come back and trade for for uh, Gibson. So you had the good enough talent to say goodbye, and same thing here. But it feels like just the saying goodbye itself, Frank, the moving on from Herrera and the moving on from Familia, will open this up for this team. It will. You will not have the doubt, whether it's internally, whether it's just the fans, the negativity that has surrounded both of those players.
0: And I and I and I said this when we recorded what just yesterday, leading up to the, the deadline. I really sensed that something was. Up with the the clubhouse even the fact that Rob Thompson had to had to confront Herrera at the top of the steps yep. in front of his teammates made me really sense that his teammates had soured on him and yeah. so that's why why Rob Thompson had to do it they yep. couldn't he could not even give the impression that Herrera was getting away with it so to speak so I, I when I saw that happen in Pittsburgh I, I was pretty certain that that he was gone. And, yes. and I think it was just not a matter of the performance it's just I think his his teammates uh did not have his have confidence in him anymore after that after he did not run so <laughs> but anyway back back to back to Robertson for a second so um it's it, it's 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 kind of funny i almost forgot destiny Legaro of uh uh Philly's nation shared a pretty fun little uh, gif of uh of him dancing with the Philly fanatic and doing a handshake with the Philly fanatic. So I, I, I think he's, I think he's actually happy to be back.
1: I, I think so. I think I even read a quote where he said he was, he was pretty excited to come back. And I would have to think if I were David Robertson um, who has fought back from this injury, right. To to remake himself into one of the top relievers again, that he comes here Thinking that there's a lot of meat that was left on the bone from his prior tenure here. It's not his fault he got hurt, but he got hurt and he was paid a lot of money. And I would have to think there's a part of him that thinks I want to go, I have the chance here to go back and sort of make things right and be what I was supposed to be.
0: Yeah, and, and he had a uh, pretty reason. I, I will say this about him when he signed his deal. I mean, it wasn't uh, earth shattering. In some ways, it was it was market value. Maybe he took a little less, but he negotiated that deal himself at the time, kind of saying, well, if I don't give an agent a cut, then the charities can get more. So he's somebody very active with charities. He donated some of his salary to Phillies charities when he signed with the Phillies. Right. So uh, definitely one of the game's good guys. And had a neat little run, too. He got back into baseball playing in the Olympics last summer. After that was done, then he signed with the Tampa Bay Rays, had a little resurrection there. Went back to the Cubs and, and it's had success since. So, so one of the good guys in baseball would be even nicer than to see him succeed in this, this time around with the Phillies since so, he did not get to the last time. So, yeah, I, th- I think that's on the mind of, of, of Robertson. You know, he wants to make good on uh, his contract just because he's the type of guy that would, would care. <laughs>
1: right, right. You get that sense from him. And it's funny, I'm chuckling because two things. One, you used the Philly Fanatic. Uh, anecdote there and then the sort of the good guy of baseball and that sort of transitions us, right, into the into the next acquisition who also has a little history with the Philly Fanatic and is not necessarily considered, especially by Phillies fans, as one of the good guys of baseball because of some of his antics involving the Philly Fanatic.
0: Yeah, so Noah Sindergaard, by the way, when when the Phillies acquired Marsh, I thought, okay, well, I guess they're not getting Sindergaard because, you know, they they clearly spent their trade capital yeah, you know, and Ohapi on, on Marsh and, and if they would have if they were gonna connect on two players they would have done it at the same time. But nope and I guess at the end of the day uh Dombrowski calls the bluff of the Angels mm-hmm. and ends up getting Syndigrad for I think a pretty reasonable deal. Yeah. Um
1: I forget who who wound up going for Syndergaard. Mickey Moniak. That's Moniak, right? Right. We're right. Probably... Who will replace
0: Who will replace Marsh in the outfield in Anaheim almost immediately?
1: Yep.
0: And yep. and the other prospect that that they had to give up at the deal. Now this is not a name that Phillies fans are going to necessarily know because he was really buried at the lower end of the uh, prospect spectrum. He did not even rank one of the top thirty prospects on MLB uh, pipeline. Uh, but Yadiel Sanchez is the prospect that goes to the Angels. He, he's 20 years old, kind of a toolsy center fielder that's fast. I mean, if you think back to to 2016, think Roman Quinn, right? You know, like, yeah. like yeah. I think that's, that's, that's the kind of tools uh, that he has as a prospect, the same kind that Roman Quinn had right. back then. Chances are he could be something, you know, but you know what, though? The Phillies did draft somebody just like him. Um, with their Crawford uh, pick in the draft, so so they do have some depth there if they're looking mm-hmm. at that far down in the system. But Yadiel Sanchez, uh, nothing to, to sniff at. But at the end of the day, you know when you trade prospects that far out, you don't really know where their development's going to go. You know, you, you seem to, to to get the types of prospects that are the surefire, can't miss because they've risen up in the system. I I thought it would have taken players like that to get to get Cinder Guard.
1: Yeah, I thought so, too. I, I mean, I think that the Angels thought it as well, and that's why they didn't probably make the deal earlier with the Phillies, and they held out, and you're right. They called the bluff uh, as long as they could, and I thought it was a good job I, by the Brownske to kind of recognize the market there. And then since he had already acquired Marsh, Moniac was the obvious movable piece. So I think Syndergaard has had a very odd year. He's kind of started slow. He's come on a little bit. As of late, he, he clearly is not the power pitcher at this moment that he was with the Mets. He's not someone who's, you know, way above 11 strikeouts for nine innings. Um, his ERA is, you know, in the what, three and a half, I believe, something like 3-8. Yeah, 3-8 and 15 starts. Uh, he's about 7.2 strikeouts per nine. So, like, to me, he's he's your fifth starter, Frank, which is, you know, better than what, what it This is a move that will, like I said, David Roberts is a great move for when you're in the postseason, right? Because that you got your 7-8-9. This is a move that is designed to help you get to the postseason. You, you don't have to have a bullpen game now as long as everybody stays healthy. He's your fifth starter. And when you get to the playoffs, if he continues to build his arm up, maybe Frankie becomes one of those starters who goes to the bullpen and gives you meaningful long relief the way, you know, this is an extreme, but how Madison Bumgardner would do it. He would start, but then, you know, come in and gave it for um, for the Giants. That's a bad one because he would be a starter. Maybe the way – who's the guy from the Nationals? The lefty who would come in and gave them meaningful innings, and he wasn't starting, and he's been terrible since. But, um, you know, the left-hander who they paid all the money for, he had a good first two years, helped them win the World Series, and he's been terrible since. Why can't I think of his name? Oh, John, John Paxson. Is that?
0: No, 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 no. Uh, you're, you're talking to the, the, the one that was signed as a starter, that the Phillies almost signed for big money. Yes, yes.
1: Why can't I think of his name? I'm drawing a blank.
0: Who is it? Yeah, why can't you think of his name? You can't think of it either. You're
1: drawing yeah, Patrick, a blank Patrick,
0: Patrick, Corbin. Patrick Corbin.
1: Patrick Corbin. Thank yeah, you. I tweeted I, I don't about know him earlier. earlier. <laughs> right, right. So so Patrick Corbin did that, though, for the Nationals, right? I'm, I think he was out of the rotation in the playoffs, but he came in and gave, him, gave them some me- meaningful middle relief. During during the play uh, during the playoffs and when they won the World Series, so you would hope maybe that Noah Syndergaard does that. I have a hard time thinking he's going to just get better and better here, and then all of a sudden when the playoffs start, he's become your third starter. But you never know; stranger things have happened.
0: So I I just want to say this about Moniak: this could be a good good opportunity for him because he's going to go to a team with no playoff expectations. He's going to get to just do his thing, uh, play every day. And by the way, Mickey Moniak grew up an hour south of Anaheim. So mm. I, I'm trying to think. I was trying to find if he was an Angels fan growing up or not. I, I don't really know. But he, he gets to go home, essentially.
1: Yeah. No, it's it's, it's a good deal for him. I mean, he's going to have to prove himself. I'm not sure. I know he was hitting well in AAA. Had a couple big hits the other night you know, we'll see if he's really ready to make that step and be in the majors. But like you said, the team's going nowhere right now. So he'll get opportunities, and there won't be a lot of pressure. Certainly the media, microscope, fishbowl won't be as big. Even though it is L.A., it's not even near the type of market. It's Anaheim. Yeah, it's Anaheim. It's laid back. It's Disney World. So, (laughs) Disneyland. So we'll see. I kind of have my doubts about if he's really going to ever be a good NLB player, but Obviously, the Angels. They, what was that? A one-year deal they have for Syndergaard, so they were just getting what they could at that point.
0: Yeah, I mean, I mean, I think it was a worth worthy flyer for for them to take because they they need to, they need to replace him in the interim. Somebody's got to play, right? Right. So this uh, one my, feels like it
1: could backfire, though.
0: It just feels like
1: he could come here, uh, Syndergaard, and not pitch well. And you know, not not again. It's you, you'd rather have that than a bullpen game, but. I, I, of all the three acquisitions, this is the one I'm like, ugh. Cause I was, I had my eyes hoping for Carlos Rodon, even though that was probably unrealistic. But I was looking at some other starters feeling like maybe there would be a better shot at or more certainty with somebody else than, than
0: Noah. Yeah. You know, I, I like, I like Sinsergard. I, I, I thought that the fact that he's on this one year deal kind of gives you the opportunity to, to, to move on from him quickly if he doesn't work out. But, but I don't know. I think he's got a little something left. I think it'll be a lot of fun uh, going against the Mets, watching Noah Syndergaard and Zach Wheeler pitch two of the three games in some of the series. <laughs> like, I, Just imagine how fun this would be for Phillies fans if they they can both win games in a series. Like, this could, this could kind of make this rivalry pretty fun the rest of the way.
1: Absolutely, and I'm sure Noah Syndergaard will do everything in his power to continue to make it fun. There's no doubt about it.
0: And the way that his exit of New York, you know, he, he was offered a qualifying offer, could have taken it, took mm-hmm. not that much more money from uh, the Angels. Uh, that was – he kind of spurned the Mets. And I know even their owner, <laughs> Steve Cohen, was not happy when yes. that happened. Yeah, so, no, he was not. <laughs> so so I think that's added fun here. You know, maybe he just uh, – maybe he did not uh, – <laughs> did not like his time with the Mets, and maybe he's got a little chip on his shoulder here going into some of these matches. I, th- I think this, I think this is setting up to be pretty neat.
1: I think so too. It'll add juice to the rivalry. Not that it needed it anymore, but it certainly is going to be fun. I wonder what he'll do to Mr. Met in retaliation. <laughs> maybe he'll steal steal Mrs. Met.
0: <laughs> yeah. So, so what? So what Jeff is referring to, there is there is the footage circulating circulating around, including Noah Syndergaard's own Twitter account. Where uh he steals the fanatics little uh, four-wheeler there and whatever, rides yeah. off of the outfield. So, so, <laughs> so pretty pretty fun and um uh I would also say that uh, uh if you check out his Twitter feed he's got a lot of fun stuff there so far his, his cover photo is always sunny in Philadelphia now and even okay. inspired a uh, tweet from Rob McElhenney to cinder guard so uh so this and he also has in his bio now a number that you can text him uh I don't know what that what will happen if you try to text that number? So uh, mm-hmm. it's probably some automated thing, right, where you end up on his his uh, right. list. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> but but overall, you know, you know, there were three things that we were really uh, thinking the Phillies needed, and the, the first one obviously was a starter. Then we kind of said, well, center field would be nice, and almost the bullpen would be nice, uh, but they were less urgent. Um, Phillies hit all three things. So so, what kind of grade would you give this trade deadline for the Phillies? Yeah, I mean,
1: I think it's a solid B. You know, um, I think with with an opportunity to be a B plus if if Syndergaard really kind of ha- hammers down. Like I'm, I don't think Brandon Marsh is suddenly going to become a different player. I think he he is what he is. Uh, if the, if they can fix him, I think you'd see that more starting spring training next year as far as offensively and see what you got. Um, but you know, to get Robertson and Syndergaard, I think that really helped. I mean, the the, the symmetry or the juxtaposition can't be ignored, that on the same night they have to play the Braves, right, in a bullpen game, and it got pretty ugly early out there in Atlanta. You don't have to worry about bullpen games and things like that anymore. They should be able to compete because, obviously, Atlanta made some moves. The Mets made a sneaky good move getting Darren Ruff. I think that's – you know, they've made some sneaky under-the-radar moves to bolster their offense with um, – who's the guy that – Vogelback is it that they brought in from yeah. the Pirates? So they, they brought in some lefty and righty power. be able to platoon a little bit because they've needed a bat behind Alonso there. Um, So the division, you know, the three teams in the division made some moves. So it's now the Phillies feel better equipped to compete with that.
0: And by the way, I just just want to talk about the Juan Soto trade for a minute. So I I was kind of skeptical it was going to happen because I I didn't think that that anybody would pony up an insane amount of prospects to make a deal happen. And Mm. Padres have gone for complete broke uh, in their deals this trade deadline. Yep. Josh Hader uh, traded to the Padres. Juan Soto. They get. They also get Josh Bell in the deal. So, Padres look very, very different right now. But, but here's the big but. That that haul that, that the Nationals got. That's going to be something that could be a force to reckon with. It could
1: be. It could be. Plus, you know, they've got some other players from trades that they've been making. You know, over the last two years. So we'll see. Right. Then who who did they pull off last year? Scherzer left
0: as a free agent. Um, Rendon left as a free agent. And, and, no, no, no. Scherzer, were... Scherzer, Scherzer, was traded first to the Dodgers. To the Dodgers. Oh, yeah, right. so yeah. Before Turner, he signed. Yeah. State before Turner, he signed right. with the Mets as a free agent. So they traded right. Trey Turner and Max Scherzer. Mm-hmm. It was kind of funny because Kevin Long was in attendance at the World Series uh, <laughs> along with Juan Soto. Right. They were. They were at a. They were at a Scherzer and a. Um, <laughs> and a Turner uh, nationals Jersey each <laughs> respectively right, right. Uh, so uh so yeah, the, how about that so Kevin long ends up leaving for the phillies and and uh, soto is is gone as well, so um, <laughs> yeah so they've got a,
1: they've they've drawn in a bunch of prospects over the last two years, but you know they now sort of feel like a couple of years away from being a couple of years away, which I hope is the case,
0: yeah, uh so. So pay pay attention now the nationals are going to be sold so but it, they really had to resolve soto because the they want the acquiring new owner to know what's happening there mm-hmm. but uh it, it could be dangerous because usually the new owners want to come in and make a splash so the new new owner gets this this beefed up farm system and has some money to spend watch out mm,
1: no doubt and watch out for those Padres. They did go for broke. They got and remember Fernando Tatis Jr. This bat is he back or he's coming back? He's coming is back. Be, yeah, he's coming back soon. That's gonna be that's gonna be a heck of a team. They have played Soto, really Tatis well without
0: him. Tatis, and Machado, and <laughs> I mean,
1: right there and Profar is all of a sudden swinging a hot bat for them. And Grisham's a good player. I mean, they they can they can swing the bats now. Might be Slam Diego pretty uh, once again pretty right.
0: soon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Harken back to what the uh, Sheffield, McGriff, and Alomar days, right? That was,
1: uh, yeah,
0: that was some. God, that's a long time ago. It was, and they and and somehow they let them all leave. (laughs) Yes, they did. (laughs) Very, very quickly into it too. So, so yeah. So overall, the Phillies check off three boxes. So then I have to ask you now that you sort of ran through the Mets Mm -hmm. and the fact that the Phillies will be facing the deaths. Well, everybody else will, but a decimated Nationals team the rest of the way decimated Marlins team the rest of the way yeah. so is that enough for the Phillies to to get into the playoffs
1: man it really should be i i do think so especially with the lightness of their schedule coming up after Atlanta here right they got a games against the reds uh so they should be a, who also were depleted and yeah. decimated Marlins same thing although i know you know the Braves and Mets have to play them too but i'm kind of already assuming one of those two teams was obviously wins the division. You know, they got to hold off the Cardinals, and I think they should be – and the Giants. I think they can do that. <laughs> I, the, the Cardinals made one move, if I'm not mistaken, to bring in a – what, an arm? They brought in an arm from somewhere.
0: Montgomery from the Yankees, right? Yeah.
1: Oh, oh, was it? I thought they also brought somebody else in too. Wow, I didn't realize Jordan Montgomery got moved. Oh, Quintana,
0: excuse me. Yeah, they, Quintana, they got Jose right. Quintana and Ryan. they got okay. Jordan Montgomery. Yeah. yeah,
1: Quintana's a good fourth or fifth. It's, uh, it's not an earth-shattering move. I, I, you know, it, to me, it's all about do you get Segura back in here in the next, you know, week or so and can Harper get back like he said he was in late August or September? If that happens, there's no doubt in my mind the team makes the playoffs. But if they have some more setbacks from an injury standpoint, it's going to be tough to overcome because they've already lost a lot from that.
0: Yeah, I, I see the Phillies being able to, to win this wild card. And, and, you know, the Padres, yeah, they got they got incredibly better. I still think they'll be a wild card, but, of course, they still got the Dodgers to contend with a lot. They've got the Giants to contend with a lot. But then mm-hmm. uh, the Cardinals, I don't know if they can beat up on their division to the extent that. That I think the Phillies will have opportunities to beat up on their well, division. And that's good point. But you know, the Reds, Reds too, the Reds
1: and Pirates are kind of stripped down now too. So I mean, they're yeah. sort of the same, right? Yeah.
0: So I mean, I, I, Cardinals are also ancient in some respects. <laughs> they're so, they're, they're, you know, they're who knows what they're going to get out of the Molina and. Um Wayne Wright still looks good. Uh but uh well, I'd say the Cardinals goals. have been a
1: re- a really bad road team this year. There are three games under five hundred. And the Phillies have been a good road team. They're seven games over five hundred. So um to me the better teams are usually the ones that can go on the road and hold their own.
0: Well, it'll all it'll all depend, I think, on the Cardinals or Phillies uh, coming out on top. I think that will be the determining factor. Uh yeah, you know, the Cardinals not without their holes. Phillies, of course, uh still down, Harper for at least a few more weeks. Uh pins mm-hmm. out of his out of his hand, so that's good. Uh so but things 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 are looking up. You know, the Phillies don't seem to have the holes that they did uh just a day ago.
1: That is true. That is true. Man, this schedule, I'm just looking at the Phillies like August and September. I mean, they have seven games in a row in September against Chicago and Washington. I mean, my Lord, You got seven, they have a six-game stretch in early September against Washington and Miami. Actually, a nine-game stretch, Miami, Washington, Miami. They have one more stretch in August of seven straight games against the Reds, the Pirates, and actually ten straight games, Reds, Pirates, Cardinals. If, Frank, if they don't win this division, I mean, if they don't get a wild card, it's extremely disappointing given this schedule.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm with you there. So, uh, but the games have to be played. I uh, imagine the boost that that Harper will have. Phillies didn't get a boost uh, their first game back <laughs> for the day of the uh, <laughs> of the trade deadline uh, because unfortunately they they did not have a starting pitcher. Uh, but hopefully, you don't need to have these bullpen games anymore. Say goodbye. It'll be nice. <laughs> well, we'll be back to talk about the Phillies' progress throughout the rest of the season. But that's our trade deadline recap. Frank Close, Jeff Moser, this has been the Powder Blue Podcast. We will catch you next time.